Joining me from this palatial VoIP line on the internet is Cliff Murphy. Cliff, how are you? I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, no problem. I mean, uh, you know, episode 200 went so well. I figured, why don't you just hang around and we'll talk a little bit more uh, about some other stuff. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, games that we've been playing instead of the games that characters in Black Mirror episodes are playing. I couldn't have said it any better myself. So why don't we get right to it? Uh, Hey, Cliff, what you playing? Bill, that's so considerate. Thank you for asking. Uh, so, you know how you you go onto Steam and you can see how long you've been playing different games for? Um, the game that's just been my jam for the last year or so has been Slay the Spire. Uh, and I mean, have you heard of Slay the Spire? Do you know anything about it, Bill? I am a big fan of Slay the Spire. Please tell listeners about how great Slay the Spire is. Oh my god. Slay the Spire is spectacular. So, folks, for those of you who don't know, Slay the Spire is this gorgeous little uh, game developed by Megacrit. um, And essentially what you're doing is you're attempting to climb this tower right and at every level that you go uh there's different monsters sometimes there's mini bosses sometimes there's treasure there's random events that happen and after 18 or 17 or so floors you fight a boss you go through act one two three and you fight a boss at the end of each one and if you can make it all the way to the end boom you've you've won uh now the game's roguelike so if you die everything gets reset at the beginning but overall a round even a successful round will often not take longer than an hour uh there's three different characters that you can play as there's the ironclad who's like uh if you're thinking fantasy tropes it's sort of like a fighter uh direct combat uh dps sort of character uh there's the silent who uses a lot of uh poison and small quick attacks uh they're called shivs uh in the game which don't cost any energy but do a little bit of damage and then the third character, who's my personal favorite, is called the Defect. And if I had to match it up with a fantasy trope, uh, I'd say like a wizard. But that's really not a very good matchup. But basically, the Defect is a robot um, who can use different orbs, which I guess are just these different like magical balls that float up above its head. And depending on the type of orb, uh, it'll do different things at the end of your turn. The uh, lightning orbs will do a little bit of damage to enemies. The frost orbs will give you a little bit of defense. Uh, dark orbs increase in power over time, and then you can use them once for a big burst of attack power and then uh, plasma orbs will give you a little bit more energy but so between these three characters the ironclad the silent and the defect they all play similarly but extraordinarily different and if you're thinking about this and you're thinking okay i like the idea of climbing a spire and i like the idea of playing as three unique characters that seems pretty cool i haven't told you about the best 
best, most addictive part of it. Uh, all of your attacks and your defensive moves and your powers and everything are represented as a deck of cards that you play as. And as you progress... <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if this is necessarily the best part. Some people might be like, "Oh, it's a card game. Goodbye." But don't please don't <laughs> let that turn you off of it. Um it is a deck building roguelike game, which is just spectacular. So, all of at the beginning of each round, you have a basic deck of cards which includes some attacks and some defense and something special, right? Like the uh, ironclad has like a strong attack that'll make enemies weaker. Um well, it makes them vulnerable to other attacks if I'm going to be specific. Uh, the silent uh, can weaken enemies. The defect can uh, get a few more lightning orbs. Uh, different stuff like this. But as you go after each battle, you can add new and better cards to your deck. And eventually, depending on the cards that you get, certain cards are going to work really well with other cards. And you could start to just get ridiculous game-breaking combinations that are going. Uh, you you don't always get those. Sometimes you're wiped out before you even make it to the first boss. Um, but sometimes you can just get remarkable matchups of the cards that you have in your deck and uh, the special items that you can get, which give you other abilities. They're called relics. Uh, and you can just absolutely destroy enemies uh, if your deck is built in the right way. And it's immensely satisfying. Uh, and just extremely enjoyable the the whole process and i've i've put 250 hours into it this is oh my wow <laughs> yeah i and this is from you know a 32 year old guy who you know uh has a job and stuff i i've i was telling i'm a high school teacher i was telling some of my students about this game and they told me oh yeah i got a thousand hours on this game and a thousand hours on that game and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> I am, I wish I was still in high school for the amount of time that I had to play video games, let me tell you. Um, but yeah, 250 hours, and the only games that come even close to that, because if you look at your Steam hour count, uh, the only games that come anywhere close to that are, I think I've got maybe 70 hours on Terraria, and uh, I was playing another game called My Time at Porsche, which is basically like a, a fancy... Uh, farming simulator for f people who are a fan of waiting for things. <laughs> May I suggest my yeah. time <laughs> Right? So, but anyway, uh, Slay the Spire, just absolutely fantastic. So, uh, if you enjoy anything, any sort of card games, if you like things like Hearthstone, um, or things, if you like any Richard Garfield card games, like Magic the Gathering, or if you knew about... Um, or still know about uh, Android Netrunner, uh, which was also done by Richard Garfield. Uh, if you like any of these sort of like these deck building card games, if you played Dominion and you like Dominion, but you wish that it was a video game, then <laughs> here, here you go. It's I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, I, I got to completely agree on all counts. And uh, one recent thing that's happened is the game came out on consoles. So it's out on... Uh, ps4 and on nintendo switch and i picked it up on the switch it doesn't run quite as well on pc as it does on pc as you might imagine because uh 
Like when you sometimes have to look at your deck, that screen will chug a bit while it's bringing up all the cards. But uh, generally, it's a very great experience to have on the go. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine also bought it for the Switch, and uh, he sends me pictures of him playing it on the Switch in his hammock. So I think that that <laughs> more than makes up for uh, any small uh, you know, frame rate issues that you may encounter. Well, awesome. Uh, any, anything else you've been uh, biting into recently? or? Uh, you know what? With all the hype uh, around Cadence of Hyrule, I picked up Crypt of the Necrodancer, um, and I've been playing that for a little bit. Uh, when I say a little bit, I mean a, a couple of hours here and there. Um, and uh, it's fantastic. Have you played Crypt of the Necrodancer? I did. I, I played some of that uh, here and there on uh, the Switch, and I, I appreciated it. I didn't really get fully into it, but I, I have uh, I have Cadence of Hyrule purchased and un, uh, unused, waiting to be played eventually. Yeah, that's part of the reason why you know I bought it is that I've been I was watching videos of people playing Cadence of Hyrule without having any idea what the original premise of the game was. Um, when I when I started playing it, uh, you know you're you're basically moving around a dungeon. For those of you that don't know, you're moving around a dungeon, but you're supposed to be moving to the beat. Um, and we, depending on the character that you have, you could sometimes suffer damage if you don't stick to the beat. But um, with the basic character, whose name is Cadence, actually, now that I think about it, which I didn't make that connection between the character Cadence and Cadence of Hyrule. Uh, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't get that until just now. But anyway, you're moving around the dungeon and you're moving to the beat, but you're also attacking enemies to the beat and you're opening treasure to the beat and doing all this sort of stuff. But you really only do it all just by using your four arrow keys, right? Um, and so when I started playing, I was moving around and I was like, okay, how do I attack? Like, what's the attack button? <laughs> I didn't figure it out. <laughs> but it's good. It's, uh, I mean, it's great. It's very popular. Um, I'm not necessarily as over the moon about it as i am with slay the spire but i don't know when i'll ever be as over the moon about something as i am about slay the spire but uh crypt of the necrodance is pretty good and i just um was hanging out with some friends and uh we're all big friends of terraria as i suppose everybody on the planet is and they were talking about uh starbound and i just picked up starbound and i've been playing it for a little bit and it's great <laughs> verdict in so um do you know anything about starbound bill um i know it's like terraria but you can go to different planets yeah that's that's essentially it <laughs> that's basically Nailed it, it. <laughs> so uh if you like crafting and if you looked at a terraria world and you were like this is good but it's not quite big enough a you're crazy and b starbound might be the game for you <laughs> Uh, I mean, in Terraria, eventually you can dig down to like the core of the planet, right? Oh, but yeah. Maybe I just want to go to a different planet and dig down to that core. Maybe you want to go. Yeah, maybe you know, you're core happy. Uh, but it's it's real good. Um, the uh, I think it's developed. I, you're going to have to fact check this, of course. Uh, v, uh, listeners, perhaps you'll have to fact check this on your own time. But I think Starbound is developed by maybe some of the same people who originally developed uh, Terraria. Um, it's published by Chucklefish, which is the same company uh, known for uh, publishing Stardew Valley. Um, but it's it's great. You know, crafting, exploration, um, even in the few hours that I've been playing it, uh, it's it's great. Um, so 
Starbound, I can certainly recommend as well. And uh, that's a recommendation of a game that's about eight years old. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's more or less what I've been doing recently. Um, what have you been up to on your end, Bill? Well, uh, you know, I, I feel an obligation to be contemporary in my game playing. I, you know, I'm not a gaming professional, but I do this as a hobby and it's a passion of mine uh, to be a tastemaker of sorts, to tell people the newest and freshest games to examine. Uh, so recently I was looking at and playing through uh, Ratchet and Clank, uh, Crack in Time. <laughs> Yeah, just the newest and freshest. Uh, Ratchet & Clank Crack in Time, that's the second one in the series that was released on the PS3, right? The first one being Tools of Destruction? That's right, yeah. So there was the original trilogy for the PS2, and then there are a couple PSP games mixed in there, and then there was Tools of Destruction. They had sort of like a a DLC kind of thing, like something called Age of Booty that came out digital only. And then a crack in time, and that game, I, I, I you know, holds up is such a uh, personal nebulous term for a lot of people, but it's a good game. I, I really like a crack in time. I think you could still play it today and just feel like it fits into the current gaming landscape. Yeah, uh, I was obsessed with those games when I was in high school. Like a new one came out every year, and. Uh, I played the hell out of those games and got every single thing that you possibly could. And it was the same thing with Kraken Time and Tools of Destruction. I think I got the Platinum Trophies for both of those. Um, But just super, super solid, fun, well-characterized, challenging but not overwhelming. Like, just great, well-done games. Um... I remember reading somewhere that somebody described Insomniac, the studio that makes Ratchet and Clank, they described them as being the Pixar of uh, video game development companies. And if you look at a game like Ratchet and Clank, you can easily see why. Just for the brightness and the color and the personality, it's it's a good choice. Um, it's a good choice, Bill. I, I highly, highly agree with you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a... Uh... Yeah, I, I just I really enjoyed. So they made a like the reboot slash remake for the PS4 that came out in like 2016, I think, and, and that was pretty good. So it encouraged me to go back and try and investigate some of the older titles to see what they were about. And you know, this is just from from my point of view, not having necessarily been fully involved with those systems. Like looking at Tools of Destruction and Age of Booty. There's just like this huge step forward with a crack in time where the game looks so much prettier. There are so many more ideas present in a crack in time with like just the regular classic Ratchet and Clank gameplay where, you know, you run around, you throw your wrench, you shoot stuff, you get the bolts, you get the upgrades. Uh, The Clank gameplay is really, really intricate and uh, maybe the best like Clank sub game of any of the ones I tried where uh, so Clank in this title is kind of the master of time now which uh, big promotion for the guy that like fell out of the sky at the start of like the very first Ratchet and Clank and uh, he is trying to like kind of put the time pals back in order and to do that he has to solve these puzzles that involve 
it's, it's, it's hard to verbalize. He, you have to go through these different buttons and platforms to get from one side of the room to the other. But you, there's like more than you can do by yourself. So you have to record a version of yourself. Whoop. Oh, yeah. Uh, those puzzle segments were fantastic. Like you make different copies of yourself, activating different switches and doing different things. Just you could make a whole game about that type of puzzle. And I think it would be insane. It really is. You really could do that. And, and just like they they gradually ramp up the difficulty in such a way that you never I don't feel like you're ever too overwhelmed, like it's always coming to you at the appropriate pace. And part of me was wondering, like, if I was a kid, I don't know if I would get all this stuff, but they do offer you the option to skip the puzzles, too, which I think is the right thing to do. You get a reward, yeah. you get a bunch of bolts for finishing the puzzles, but you don't have to get that reward. Yeah, you don't have to do it. And I think that is fair. I do remember um, there was a... Uh, I used to uh, do some work with some teens with special needs, and we'd play video games. And anytime there were some parts of games that involved like some puzzles or things like that, they would always get stuck and frustrated. Like uh, I remember like Batman Arkham Asylum. Uh, for the most part, it's just like a beat-em-up exploration game, pretty straightforward. But then there would be moments with the scarecrow that you had to have really precise timing and try and figure out how to navigate a level without being seen that they found was very difficult. Seeing that you can skip some of these puzzles in crack in time uh i agree with you i appreciate that they put it in there i like the challenge and i'm gonna you know do i'm gonna do them until i solve them but i appreciate the fact that they put in the option to skip them similarly with the uh space navigation like you do have to do some of it like there is a requirement of getting a certain number of uh zonies collectibles throughout the game in order to advance past certain checkpoints but for the most part, you can choose to engage with it or not. You can just like go to the menu screen, say warp to the next sector and go, or you can hang around. You can explore the different like moons and asteroids in the different systems. You can talk to like space truckers. You can shoot enemy ships and do flying uh, assaults on those. There's a it, it feels really nice. I, I like the different controls and the action elements there good way to break up the the gameplay a bit you're making me really want to go back and play this game again <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was just so surprised like this again like the the first two games for the ps3 are fine and i'm sure they were fine at the time but this one like the, this was the first one that has trophy support like the tools of destruction and age of booty don't have trophies built into them crack a crack in time does oh it, i didn't uh, remember that oh cool and then, like, not having been on the PS3 uh, at the time, like, I always, now I think every PlayStation game has trophies. So I was, like, a little confused at first when I was playing those games. And then here, when it has the trophies, I'm like, okay, this is more modern to my sensibilities. Sorry. And, uh, you know, that, that's okay. The, the, the story for these games is never, like, the strong point, I would say. But I think that there's a pretty good story going on. Uh this is the one when uh, Ratchet's, uh, the uh, one of the other Lombaxes comes back, right? Yes, that's right. So Ratchet is supposed to be the last Lombax in the galaxy. And conveniently, they keep finding like one here and there as the games go. And this one, it's uh, this guy, General Azimuth, who 
he is a disgraced former member of the Lombax military. And you kind of find out like he was partly responsible for a villain that showed up in an earlier Ratchet and Clank game that you beat. And now he's like racked with guilt over his, uh, his role in that. And he only wants to uh, bring the Lombaxes back, which is what Ratchet wants. It just, maybe they, uh, maybe they have different ideologies outside of that same want. And they, they come into contact and conflict at certain points. This one also has your right at the, you're at the, like the grand clock and you're right at the center of the universe, give or take 50 feet. And uh, Dr. Nefarious is there too, right? With Lawrence. Yes, Dr. Nefarious and Lawrence are there. Uh, they're, the, I would say, the main antagonists for the game, where Nefarious has kidnapped Clank already, but he can't figure out how to get the, the clock to work, the big galactic clock. So he leaves him alone for a bit to allow Clank to progress. And like while he's doing that, he's off doing other evil stuff, and he plans to jump back in and capture Clank in the clock again once... Clank sorts everything out for him. Yeah, I, I think that I do remember that one having a really cool storyline. Like it uh, it builds up really well. And instead of it just being like, oh, you're fighting off against Dr. Nefarious again for whatever reason, uh, you have in the big final battle with Azimuth as well. I remember doing the grind rails and the whole clock is like falling apart all around you and you're chasing after Azimuth and you have a big fight with him right in the middle. It was very dramatic and climactic. Um, I'm a real, I'm a, I'm a huge sucker for whenever any game or movie or TV show has a good character that ends up being bad in the end. I never see it coming, and I'm always enthralled by it. <laughs> right? Like people are like, "Oh, I knew they were going to be bad." I'm like, "There's no way." <laughs> you mentioned the rail grinding here, and the rail grinding uh, plus the hover boots. The movement in this game is so much fun that like that's another thing that makes just playing it so enjoyable is you you, you're fast. You want to go fast to get places and you can do it. You can zip around on the the rails. You can wear hover boots and like ramp off stuff and do big jumps and flips in the air. It really when I see this, I can see how they got to like Sunset Overdrive and then like Spider-Man where they're like, those are games that have incredibly fun movement in them as well. It does make a lot of sense. I, n- I never really considered that, but you're right. You can flow around very, very easily in those games. It's very fluid and it does make sense how they would get to these other games that emphasize fluid movement later on. So yeah, overall, I would really recommend uh, Ratchet & Clank A Crack in Time. Uh, you know, it's only for PS3, so maybe people have already put their PS3s away or they sold theirs. So, you know, I probably wouldn't like go out and buy a PS3 to play it. But if you had one and you're like, is there a, still a game I might want to try? I'd say, yes, this one, this game I'm talking about, Ratchet & Clank A Crack in Time. Do you think that any of the previous Ratchet & Clanks are available through the uh, PlayStation... What's the online subscription thing called uh, when you can play like older games online? PlayStation uh, Now. PlayStation Now. Do you think they'd be available through PlayStation Now? Uh, yeah. So through PlayStation Now, you can play Ratchet & Clank Crack in Time. That's a great call out. Yeah. They also have, it looks like a bunch of the other either PSP ones or uh, online only ones. So... Full Frontal Assault, I think, was maybe PSP. Into the Nexus, I feel like that might have been the one that came after Kraken Time. I don't think I played that one. 
Quest for Booties on there as well. And All for One, I feel like, was a cooperative thing. I don't remember. These are all games, yeah, that came out for the PS3. Uh, so A Crack in Time and Quest for Booty were, yeah, those were the two you know, regular platformers. All for One, like you said, was like a cooperative style game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Full Frontal Assault is like a tower defense game Ew. of some flavor. Okay, interesting. And uh, the last one is the other game I wanted to talk about this week, which is Ratchet and Clank Into the Nexus. Oh, okay. Well, tell me about that one. Ratchet and Clank Into the Nexus is a sequel to A Crack in Time. It's kind of like a send-off, I would say, for the whole timeline, storyline characters that they've built up up until that point, going back to the PS2 games, because they kind of uh, end Ratchet's journey here. Uh, to to spoil uh, a game that came out about six years ago, like this whole time he's been searching for his family. He's been searching to be find out what happened to the rest of the Lombaxes. And this is kind of his, uh, basically his final chance to find them or find the means to go to them. And in the game, you're, uh, you're hanging out with Clank still, you're hanging out with uh, Talwin Apogee and uh, Kronk and Zephyr, which are characters you met in Tools of Destruction. But you are up against uh, some new baddies here. I, uh, I have forgotten their names, but there's like a, an evil wizard lady and like a kind of her brother, uh, giant brute guy. And they're trying to uh, use this thing called the Dimensionator to bring their family in quotes, from another dimension into this one. And fittingly, with all the different uh, innuendos in the Ratchet and Clank titles, they're called the Nethers. Excuse me, the Nethers. <laughs> of course they are. Yeah, so you're trying to stop the Nethers from uh, leaking out. And there's a, obviously a bit of a parallel between Ratchet's own journey. Uh, the, the thing that really strikes me about Into the Nexus is it's very short. Oh. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but... It did stand out because usually like the Ratchet and Clank games are like 12 to 15 hours. And I finished Into the Nexus in like under four hours. Oh my God, really? Yikes. So, you know, there are like all the different planets and stuff. There's like seven or eight planets that you visit. You run around, you collect all the stuff, and then you go on to the next planet to advance the story. Well, here there's one planet where you start out and that's got some stuff going on. There's a second planet, which has, like, the arena mode. You know, typically in these games, there's, like, an arena. Yeah, I always loved the arena. Uh, There's the third planet, where you do spend a decent amount of time. And then the fourth and the fifth planets, you kind of just... You you don't spend a lot of time there. You don't don't do much exploring. You're kind of moving on to the end of the game already. I I do remember the games always feeling like... They were maybe a little bit too short, but that uh, that's just because I like them so much. But that does seem very short. I really am curious as to like the behind-the-scenes production of this game, because it is short, first of all. And then it came out for the PS3, but it came out like one week before the PS4 came out. Uh, like it came out on November 6th, 2013, and the PS4 comes out the week after. That's okay. So yeah, that makes sense. Maybe they stopped. Maybe it stopped being a priority for them and they had to start developing as well because there was the Ratchet and Clank remake that was released early on in the life of the PS4. So maybe they were de-emphasizing development of Nexus and they were putting more emphasis into this new Ratchet and Clank 
Not to mention the movie that they were also developing at the same time, weren't they? Yeah, I think I think you're on the right track there because on the disc of Into the Nexus, there's a trailer for the Ratchet and Clank film. So maybe they're just like, look, this is the most we can do. These are the most resources we can allocate. Uh, and then we just got to devote everything else to the movie and the game based on the movie. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a shame. Um, but eh, what are you going to do? It's still, still enjoyable despite it being short though, right? Yes, it is. So the, the game does look good. It's running at 30 frames per second as opposed to the older games run at 60 frames per second, which it's not a huge deal, but you, you, you notice it once when you play one, then you immediately play the other one. The gameplay still feels right. I think this is like where they actually got a really good handle on like the movement to go with the gunplay. Like that feels better than it did in any of the older games. Uh, they still have some cute gun ideas that like that haven't been explored before. Like there's a, a nightmare box where you throw it out and a spooky clown type monster jumps out and scares all the other enemies. Okay. <laughs> Sounds awesome. And uh, yeah, like what when you are playing the game, what there is of it, it, it feels right. It feels like Ratchet and Clank. You get you get the hover you get the hover boots back like you did from the old game. You can move around really nicely like that. Yeah, I just I wish there was more. It felt like uh, I was uh, starting to get into the flow of things and it was done. I mean, at this point, uh, just like with uh, A Crack in Time, both of these games like retail secondhand for $15. So if you want the disc, you can go get it and it's not going to cost you very much. Yeah, I don't think it's going to cost you a whole lot. I mean, I think any of the Ratchet and Clank games are worthwhile putting some time into just because they're, they're just enjoyable, fun platforming action games right um and just because they're a little bit older i i don't think they're any worse for wear i do think they're all very well made and like there's a very good backbone to all of them that you allow you to revisit them even now uh i would say if you had to pick one to start with start with a ps4 remake yeah and then after that go to a crack in time and then if you were still thirsting for more, you could go to like Into the Nexus or Tools of Destruction and work your way back. I, I agree with you. I would start with the PS4 uh, remake um, because it just looks spectacular. Um, and then any one of the Ratchet & Clank future, the the ones that were all on uh, PS3. I don't think you're going to go wrong with any of those. But Well, yeah. I mean, uh, at this point, I got to find a new franchise to play because I pretty much... <laughs> Exhausted this one. Well, if you uh, if you enjoy Ratchet and Clank, uh, I can also recommend the Jack and Daxter series and the Sly Cooper series. If you're looking for action platformers that got their starts on the PS2, then uh, <laughs> those would all be excellent choices, I would say. I, I think it's so unusual that those three platform franchises are like associated with each other, and then like the companies that made them have all kind of retired them because they have other stuff. That they're trying to work on now. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because um, I guess Insomniac's doing... I mean, they just did Spider-Man and Sunset, like you said. Uh, Naughty Dog, which did Jack and Daxter, they did Last of Us. And uh, I guess they also did... Did they do Infamous, too? Well, Naughty Dog did Uncharted, also. Uncharted, that's the one. And then, then uh, what's the Sly People did... Uh... That's who did Infamous, right? Uh, Sucker Punch, that's their name. Yeah, and they're working on this game called uh, Ghosts of Tsushima right now. Oh, does it involve sushi? 
You know, uh, I, I have to check my sources on that one. Oh, Tsushima is spelled differently than what I thought. I thought it was sushi. That's it. <laughs> I think the word sushi is in there. There just happens to be like a T at the front. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, so yeah, it was... Uh, oh, man. Holy crap, there's a lot of different uh, infamous games that I had no idea even existed. <laughs> um so yeah, they did uh, Infamous. Infamous was pretty good. I only ever played the first one, but it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Cliff, that's what I've been playing. Uh, so to recap, you have been playing Slay the Spire, uh, Terraria. Mm-hmm. Nope, Slay the Spire, Starbound. I've been playing Terraria. I've been playing Crypt of the Necrodancer. Terraria has certainly been in there, rest assured. And then most recently, I've been checking out Starbound. Uh, and I can highly recommend any of those games. Awesome, and I have uh, I've been playing Ratchet and Clank, A Crack in Time, and Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus, and those are both on uh, PS3 or PlayStation Now. And yeah, I think that brings this episode of So Many Bits to a close. Uh, Cliff, thank you again. Uh, is there anywhere people can find you, either electronically or in person, or if they want to stay in touch? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mr. Cliffo. Uh, I don't go on Twitter particularly often, so if you're interested in following a Twitter account that doesn't update at all, then please consider following me. And my improv group, Moist Theater, performs in Toronto at the Comedy Bar every month, uh, so you can find more information about us at the Comedy Bar's website. As for us, we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, we're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from a simple cast from SoundCloud, from YouTube, or stream via Spotify. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits, Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time, Wednesdays for Magic the Gathering Online and MTG Arena. Thursdays for a variety of games. Uh, recently, I've played uh, Transistor, Trauma Team, uh, Resident Evil 2, Super Hot. Uh, there's a bunch of games. Just uh, go and check out the VODs if you're don't in disbelief. Uh, but uh, you can find me there. I'm also at nerdalogs.com with a bunch of other great podcasts. So uh, feel free to check those out. Last but not least, thank you very much for listening.